You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. We are um, in our final week of the uh, series that we've been doing. We've been doing a series called Everyday Questions. So we're going to finish that up today. You know, we started uh, two weekends prior to this, and we uh, started by asking the question, why does an all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God allow bad things to happen to good people? And so we, we attempted to tackle that. And what we said is what we're really doing, instead of trying to answer the question, really, we're trying to gain a right perspective. Uh, because there's so much there. We followed that up with why does, uh, the question was, why doesn't God answer my prayers? And so we worked and we wrestled with that a, a bit. And then uh, last week we uh, asked the question, what happens when I die? And so that caused us to look at two. We had to say, well, it depends on how you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we dealt with what happens when the believer dies and what happens when the person who has rejected the gospel, what happens when they dies, which caused us to talk a little bit about hell, which we don't typically do in church, do we? But we did last week. And, uh, and then uh, we talked about an even greater thing. What will heaven be like? And so we've, we've conquered. I wouldn't say we've conquered. We've looked at those four questions. And so today we have two last questions that we're going to deal with. And the first question is, um, how do I hear from God? How do I hear from God? And the second question is, how do I make uh, wise, God-honoring decisions? And so I want to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. And the spoiler alert is that I'm actually not going to deal with that second question, uh, how do we make wise, God-honoring decisions. I'm not going to deal with it at least directly. And here's why. I have a firm conviction that if we can embrace uh, begin to fully understand how to hear from God, then how to make God uh, wise, God-honoring decisions kind of falls into place. Uh, when we're in alignment here, then, and we're going to look at this today, then all of this begins to fall in place because it's a matter of how we are continually walking. So these decisions, though they're big, they don't become like, life-shattering, and they have to cause us to kind of go into hiding. But as we continue in our walk, we just, we're practicing the presence of the Lord. And so when it comes to those decisions, we just have that wisdom that we need. So what that means is I'm not even going to deal with it in your notes. As I know sometimes we can be a little obsessive, uh, obsessive compulsive. It's like, I'm not going to give you the fill-ins for the notes. They might be in your, in your thing. But, uh, but uh, again, I think that I'll answer the question. Um, uh, let me ask this. Uh, well, let me say this. Throughout Scripture, uh, we, we read of encounters where God spoke to a variety of people in a variety of ways. Would you agree with that? Uh, and when we uh, read through both the Old and New Testament, we see, we read, that God uh, spoke to people uh, in an audible voice sometimes. Like, for instance, Moses. He spoke to Moses in an audible voice. Uh, we see that sometimes God spoke through a whisper. It was very quiet. Uh, we see that God spoke through a burning bush. He spoke through a donkey. He spoke through other people. He spoke through the prophets. Uh, he spoke through dreams. He spoke through visions. He spoke through um, parables. He spoke through stories. And those are just some of the ways that we see that God spoke when we read through the Old Testament. Let me ask this question. How many of you believe that God still speaks today? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think there's a 100% agreement. How many of you can say, I've heard God speak to me? Raise your hand. 
What does that sound like? When, and, and then this is a true question. We can't have a lot of responses. But what does it sound like when you've heard God speak to you? Just maybe two or three people tell me. What, is that, what does his voice sound like to you? Ah, so his voice sounds silent. Huh? <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is his word in that silence too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes God speaks through the silence. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah. It's gentle and profound. Somebody else. It's hearing not with your physical ear, but with your spiritual ear. Yeah, it's not just a matter of, because it's not often that God speaks in that audible voice. It's almost audible sometimes, but that's because your spirit discerns. Anybody else? Through other people. Yeah, yeah. So this week I did a I did an informal survey. It's very official though because I actually did it on Facebook. And you know if you do it on Facebook, you know if you read something on Facebook, it's true. It's almost as good as going to Wikipedia, right? Yeah, think about it. So, but I did. I conducted a, a an informal survey on um, uh, uh, Facebook, and I asked uh, two questions basically. I said, "What does God sound like to you?" And how do you know when he speaks? And it's interesting. I got some incredible responses. I had about 40 responses that came back to me, and they were actually substantial. There was no uh, real joking around or, or anything like that. And it was actually pretty profound. I can't read to you all 40 responses, but I did pull out 10 of those because there's a, current, a, a reoccurring theme that I heard, and some of it's just really good. Uh, what does God's voice sound like to you? How do you know when he speaks? Uh, his voice is loving. It's never condemning. His voice is a short whisper that weaves. His voice is that still small voice that is completely in line with Scripture. God has a strong, quiet voice. It is filled with love and wisdom. His voice is still, gentle, warm, and peaceful to me. His voice is calm but firm. It's solid no doubt, or wishy-washiness, almost like a strong thought that is almost audible. His voice is always powerful and effective, gentle and kind, full of love and never failing. I don't know that anyone can accurately describe it, but once you've heard it, you never forget. It's a soft calmness that takes over my anxiety. And then I say this one for last on purpose. Sometimes God's voice sounds like my wife. <laughs> now, honestly, God has spoken to me through my wife before. We laugh about that. But also I think some of the wives would say, and God has spoken to you through your husband. Yeah, so it, it just proves that God speaks to a variety of people in a variety of ways. Uh, I want to share a, a personal story uh, uh, one of, honestly, many times that I've heard God's voice, uh, but this particularly stands out in my mind because it was one of those times, it's, it's like you said, John, it, it, it wasn't audible, but because of something that happened in my spirit, it was almost like it was audible. It made it very clear, very, very concise. Um, it actually happened a long time ago. Uh, I have heard God since this time, just to let you know. Uh, it was back in uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend, actually Memorial Day of, I think, 1993. 
um, Cammy and I had decided to go to a Memorial Day picnic that was hosted by the church we were attending, and it just so happened that that church was new to us. We had not been going there very long. So we loaded up our, my truck with all of our picnic paraphernalia, food, chairs, blankets, and the kids, and anything that they would need. And we drove to the park that uh, the picnic was going to be held at. It wasn't too far from our house. We pulled into the parking lot, and we began to unload all of the paraphernalia, the food and the food and the food and the chairs and the kids, and um, started walking across the parking lot uh, to the area where the, the picnic uh, shelter was. And as we walked, uh, at the moment I stepped my foot on the grass of the picnic area, I heard this um, very, very clearly. And what I heard was, one day you're going to pastor this church. And I literally, I started laughing out loud. And my thought was, this, the church we were going to was a very vibrant church. It was growing exponentially. Uh, it was in multiple services. And I, my thought was, who am I to think that I would pastor this church that's going so well and actually doesn't even need a pastor? It's got a pastor who's a great communicator and great with people. And it, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, who am I? And then something happened, and it's that thing that happened in my spirit. I began to cry. Just that thing where you just know there was a movement of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, I knew that I had clearly heard God's voice. I held on to that, that word. I didn't even tell my wife for some five years. I never spoke it to anyone um, because I think that people would have had the same response. Who do you think you are? And so I held on to it. And to fast forward, um, on, on a Sunday in August of 2001, I was appointed as the lead pastor of that church. And I tell you that story to say not only does God still speak today, but when God speaks, God affirms his word. Uh, when he truly speaks then he brings to pass what he's spoken. So we can count on the fact that God still speaks and, and that he sp still speaks to us and he affirms his word. Um, in fact, that God still speaks, and you've affirmed this this morning, is really, uh, it's a foundational part of our theology as believers. We understand the Bible teaches us that God still speaks. But even so, even though we know that, um, for some, for many, I confess that at times for me, I, I struggle. I'm challenged in certain situations in trying to hear from God. Even though I've heard from Him countless times, there are situations that arise and I, for some reason I can't seem to hear from God on something that I feel I need to hear from. And then I think, how do I reconcile that challenge that struggle with what we read in John chapter 10, verse 27, as Jesus was speaking to the disciples, um, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Again, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so I pondered that, that truth that Jesus spoke. And as I did, I found myself in a quandary. And the quandary was something like this. It was kind of like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? It was kind of that scenario. I'm thinking, well, what comes first? The ability to hear or the ability to listen? Jesus said, my sheep will listen to my voice. They listen to my voice. And I'm thinking, what comes first, listening or hearing? And the answer was, yes, both. 
I think it's very important that we understand that, that it, they're, they're partners. In other words, you can't listen without the ability to hear, and you can't hear without the ability to listen. Those things have to be working in partnership, and it's when we allow those things to work in partnership that we come in alignment with the Spirit of God, and we're able to both listen and hear. I think there's a difference in listening and hearing. My kids can hear me, but by their response or lack thereof, I can know they weren't listening to me. And I think sometimes we can hear God, but by our lack of response, we weren't really listening. So in the midst of trying to gain some perspective uh, to bring something to this challenge, uh, even to answer this question, what I want to do this morning is I want to look uh, at uh, a passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 3. In fact, you can turn there if you have your Bibles, or if you're going to do it digitally, you can swipe and click and swipe until you get there. I don't care how you get there. Um, it's not going to be on the screens, but I am going to read it to you. Uh, what we want to do this morning is I want to look at this encounter in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and um, what we'll find is Samuel the prophet's first encounter with hearing God's voice, his very first encounter. And then what I want to do is I, I believe uh, I was able to identify at least three spiritual insights that cause us to come into alignment and allow us to better hear from God. And then uh, I, I, let me just go ahead and this, here's another spoiler alert. Uh, like I, you, you won't find any of what I'm getting ready to talk about in your teaching notes. Uh, is that okay? Um, you, this is a great opportunity for you to take notes. However, I'm not going... So you're thinking, well, you said you're not going to answer the second question. Now you're going to a different passage of Scripture. I am going to get to your teaching notes because at the end of this, I'm going to uh, take us to our teaching notes and we're going to pull what I would believe to be three practical insights that help us better hear from the voice of God or hear from God. So... Uh, with that, are, are we ready to go? Okay, before I read the passage to you, let me just give you a, a little bit of background. Um, for context, uh, Samuel was the, the son of Elkanah and Hannah. Hannah had been barren for quite some time, and it was very distressing to her. And in her distress, she called out to God, and she pleaded with God, God, please Give me a son. Give me a child. Give me a son. And she made a vow to the Lord. She said, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you for all of his days. In other words, if you give him to me, I'll give him back to you. And God honored her prayer. God honored her prayer. She conceived. And then in due time, she gave birth to a son. They named him Samuel. When Samuel was about three years old, uh, after she had weaned him, uh, she took Samuel and she presented him uh, at the tabernacle, at the temple. She presented him to Eli the priest, not just for a, a temporary time, but she left him there because she had made a vow to the Lord. And she said, I will commit him to you for all your days. And so the, in other words, she left him there uh, so that he could be in the service of the Lord. And so what happened is that... Um, Samuel became kind of like an intern, a young priest in training. Uh, and he carried out uh, uh, age-relevant responsibilities that, uh, as he was learning the duties of, of the priest. 
Uh, and in that, that's where his service to the Lord came. And so then we pick up in chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 1. I'll read it to you. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And simply what that's saying is there was not a designated or accredited prophet during that time. There wasn't a prophet who was continually speaking or proclaiming, uh, uh, thus saith the Lord. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That's not saying that Samuel didn't have a a knowledge of who God was or some kind of relationship with God. But what it's saying is Samuel did not yet know the Lord in the way that he was getting ready to know the Lord or the way that he would know him in the future. Um. uh, In verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone hears of it tingle. So, in other words, it was a very significant word that the Lord was going to speak to Samuel. Um, To give you some insight, it was actually a very destructive word, uh, a prophetic word uh, uh, concerning the the destruction of uh, Eli and his family. So, When we look at that passage, what are the spiritual insights that we begin to pull? Well, here's the first one that I've identified. Samuel's encounter with hearing God's voice helps us to understand that we have to be rightly positioned to hear God's voice. We have to be rightly positioned. Uh, The very first thing that we read in in chapter 3, verse 1, is that the young boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. We find that also in chapter 2, previous chapter. We find it in verse 11 and verse 18. The young boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. Oftentimes this is translated, uh, Samuel ministered to the Lord. Not before the Lord, but to the Lord. Um, And so what we we understand, and I think that that's actually a better translation. um, What we begin to understand of that is that Samuel had been placed by his mother and by Eli the priest, had been placed in an environment of ministry. He had been placed as an, in an environment of ministry. So as a young priest in training, actually in the Living Bible it says that Samuel helped uh, the Lord as he assisted Eli. I love that. It's a little turn on it. Samuel helped the Lord as he assisted Eli. 
Um, and that also gives us a picture of Samuel ministering to the Lord. It was for the Lord. But it, uh, so he's been placed in this environment of ministry. And um, we, then we, we begin to understand that that was very significant, that he had been placed in the environment of ministry. Um, it's not something he chose, but it's a place where he was placed. And so there was a ministry that was going on to the Lord. In one sense, he was ministering for the Lord by doing the things in the temple uh, that were age relevant for him. But in the same sense, his ministry was to the Lord. There was a, there was a heart uh, matter. There was, a, 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 I think, a mindset that said, this is not for just the upkeep of the temple, but this is for the Lord. I'm ministering to the Lord. So what does that mean for you and I? It means that you and I, um, we rightly position ourselves by placing ourselves in a lifestyle of ministry to the Lord. We place ourselves in a lifestyle of ministry to the Lord. So, Pastor Stan, when you say a lifestyle of ministry, are you suggesting that we quit our jobs and all come to work at the church? No, I'm not. You keep your day job because we don't have uh, positions or budget for you. (laughs) That's not what I'm implying at all, but that... For all of us, regardless of where we find ourselves, there is naturally, supernaturally something that occurs in our life that we live our lives in such a way, we position ourselves in such a way that we understand that everything we do, every breath that we take, every action we have, everything about us is not for our employer, it's not for our neighbor, though they are recipients of it, but we are doing this unto the Lord. We live a lifestyle of ministry to the Lord. So what does that look like for us? What, what might a lifestyle of ministry look like for us? Well, I, I think that a lifestyle of ministry is in the fact that we love God by serving other people. I think about what happened here. I had the privilege uh, of being here, and Cami as well, being here this week, uh, each night during uh, Vacation Bible School. And uh, it's interesting what happened there was, a, there, was a, there was a mindset. It was really a hard attitude of, I think, all the volunteers of somehow uh, knowing that what they were doing, as, even though they were serving the kids, that there was something that was happening in their service that was going up to the Lord. And I actually had conversations with people who maybe didn't say it quite this way, but the conversation led me to believe that even in themselves, there was an alignment that was happening. As they served, they were giving themselves uh, to service to the Lord. And I even heard conversation that led me to believe that I'm doing it now, but I see what's coming from this, and I want my life to be filled with this. I want to do this more and more. So ministry to the Lord looks like loving God by serving other people. I think ministry to the Lord is uh, that we live with a heart of gratitude. That in everything that we do, again, everything we say, that we recognize who God is. That God is the source. That God is our strength. That He is the one who gives us, who provides for us. And so that we are continually expressing thanks to Him. And it's, yes, verbal thanks. Thank you, God. We thank you. Uh, But it's in our praise and worship but it's more than just when we come together on the weekends and we, have, we do what we do here. But it's that when we leave this place, rather than yo-yoing in and out and in and out of the presence of the Lord, that we, um, 
that we, we position ourselves so that we're always in that place and that we're, we're, uh, we're, we're filled with gratitude to him. And just everything we do, it just expresses gratitude to the Lord. And I think that ministry to the Lord also, it involves our, our prayer life, that uh, we are continuously in an attitude of prayer. Does that mean that you stop everything because you, you're on your knees praying all the time? No. But I think we can walk about, we can live our lives uh, as we're filled with gratitude that we're also establishing or continuing, nurturing, nourishing our relationship with the Lord through ongoing conversation with Him, no matter where we are, what we're doing. That we're talking to Him because it's in that that we minister to Him to let Him know how much we think of Him, how much we love Him. Um, that all the things that we're grateful for, it's where we, it's where we, it's where we express that to Him. And so what happens is as we, as we minister to the Lord, again, there's this alignment that happens where our spirit aligns with His spirit, and then we are better able to hear the voice of God. We're, 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 we're more in a place because we've positioned ourselves so that we can hear. A second insight is this. Samuel's encounter with hearing God's voice helps us understand that we have to rightly posture ourselves to hear God's voice. You say, well, positioning, posturing, isn't that the same thing? No, I, I think there's a difference. Um, in verse 3, uh, uh, we read in, in chapter 3, we read, um, Samuel was uh, lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Um, when I talk of posture, I'm not calling this out because, because Samuel was lying down in the temple but it's significant that not only was he lying down, but he was lying down near the Ark of the Covenant. What do we know about the Ark? It was God's presence. So he postured himself as near the presence of the Lord that he possibly could. And it was as he postured himself there, that's the place where he heard God speak. And I think that's very significant for us. You see, we have to posture ourselves in a way. So here's what we know. When we come into relationship with Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in us. So we become the dwelling place. We become the, the tabernacle, the, the temple of God. But even, so, even though that's the case, sometimes we don't practice the presence. We don't practice the presence of God. So... Um, there's, there's something that happens when we can bring our life into a lifestyle of continually practicing the presence of God. What does it look like to practice the presence of God? Um, fortunately, I, I'm not able to give you a formula. In fact, I would be very disappointed if I could give you a formula this morning. Um, and the reason I can't give you a formula is because it looks different for every person. There's not a one-size-fits-all. But what I can tell you, for every one of us, we have to establish a rule of life that we live by. And you say, well, rule of life, what, what does that mean? The phrase actually comes from a very ancient Greek term that has to do with a support system, or actually it has to do with a trellis. What does a trellis do? When you plant a trellis in, in your garden, it allows the the vines or whatever they might be to grow up. It creates a support system for them to stick to so that they grow upward. In our lives, we need a trellis. We need a support system that causes us to grow up and into relationship with the Lord, right? We're supposed to continually be growing, and our growth is to be upward in our relationship. So 
what does that support system, what does that trellis look like for us? Well, I, it, it looks different. But I can tell you some of the things that it would involve. It would involve spiritual practices or a word we don't like to use, spiritual disciplines. And of course that would include uh, a commitment to the word of God. But it's not just reading the God word, but it's actually eating the word. It's, it's a nourishment that happens on the word. It's not just checking off the list, but it's actually spending time with God's word, letting it change who we are. Uh, it would involve our prayer life. Obviously, because we're 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 talking to God, and as we talk to God, He talks back to us, and so we're building that support system. But it would also involve things like silence and solitude. It's in silence and solitude that we hear God speak. You know, oftentimes uh, we want to pray, and we pray, and we talk so incessantly that we don't even give God a chance to talk back to us. But it's in those times of silence, and silence is hard. I think I talked about this the very first time that I taught several months ago. I have monkeys in my head. And so when I try to be silent, all these thoughts come, you know, and food and activity. And, and then, but it's a discipline that you have to develop. Uh, solitude, silence. It would include things like fasting. Uh, whatever the disciplines might be for you, they become a support structure because, again, what happens is there's an alignment where your spirit... You're, you're rightly positioning yourself by living a lifestyle of ministry to the Lord. Now you're rightly posturing yourself by practicing the presence of the Lord. And there's this alignment that happens so that you can better hear the voice of God. You can hear him speak to you. And then the third insight, final insight here, uh, Samuel's encounter with hearing God's voice helps us understand that we have to be persistent in our desire to hear God's voice. Think about it. How many times did it take Samuel? Four times. But he remained uh, persistent. And it was because he was persistent that he was finally able to come into alignment with the voice of God. I think it's interesting. Not only did he come in alignment and was able to hear the voice of God, but at the moment he heard the voice of God, he also had revealed to him his divine destiny. It was at that moment that God revealed a word to him. And from that, we know that Samuel became known as Samuel the prophet. Actually, uh, in the latter portion of chapter 3, uh, probably in verse 20, the latter part, it says, Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The, the Lord continued to, to appear at Shiloh. There he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. In other words, so God spoke a word to Samuel about Eli and his family, and it came true. And because it came true, the people suddenly, he became the accredited prophet who now began to speak on God's behalf to the people. He, he discovered his divine destiny, and it's because he was willing to be persistent. And I think that persistence is fueled by right position and right posturing. In other words, when we are willing to position ourselves in a, in a lifestyle of ministry to the Lord, and we are willing to rightly posture ourselves uh, to practice the presence of the Lord, and we remain persistent in our desire to hear from the Lord, uh, not only do, do our spirits align with the Spirit of God and enable us to hear the voice of God, but it's in that that we also have revealed to us the divine destiny that God has planned for us. And it's really important that we know and that we understand that. Um, 
when we do, then we move out in, a, in, in such a, uh, a new and refreshing way to experience all that God has for us. Now, when you see those three spiritual insights, can you see now why I'm not going to deal directly with how do you make wise God-honoring decisions? Because I believe that when we rightly position ourselves, when we rightly posture ourselves, and when we're persistent in hearing from the voice of God, what happens is that in our normal everyday walk, as we walk with the Lord, uh, there's this uh, natural, supernatural life. And so those decisions don't become such a struggle. But we build on what God is already speaking, what God is already doing. He takes us to the Word. We're not yo-yoing in and out of His presence, but we're living in that place. And so we have this pipeline, so to speak, but there's an alignment, so it's easier to hear. Uh, So I really believe that the answer to the second question is contained into the first. Now, with that, let me give you three practical, three practical insights that help in the process of hearing from the voice of the Lord. This is in your teaching notes. How do I hear from God? First practical insight is ask. If you're struggling to hear from God, ask. And this is what I mean. Talk to God. Tell him, God, I confess I'm just having some trouble. I can't seem to come into alignment. I can't seem to tune in. Ask him, will you help me? Will you give me the ability to hear your voice? And God will honor that. The second practical insight is listen. I said it earlier, but sometimes when we talk to God, that's all we do is talk. And we don't stop to listen. And so it's in those times of silence and solitude when we listen to God that allow, that's where our spirit comes into alignment with his spirit because we stop and we give ourselves a time, a chance to listen. And the third thing I would say is practical insight is observe. Observe what others, when you find people and you can just, you know, they, they hear from God. They, they, you go and you say, will you teach me? How do you do this? Will you mentor me? This morning I had something happen to me. We were in a prayer circle uh, as we were praying for services today. And um, actually, John Smith was, was uh, you didn't know I was going to say this, but John Smith was standing beside me. And um, while I was praying, I happened to begin to listen to how John was praying. And there was something about me that said, Yes, God, and I need to listen to what he's saying because I began to hear words and I began to hear phrases and I began to hear a way that he talked to God that piqued this interest in me. And, and actually, I, I, I want to be like that. I, I want to have that kind of conversation with God. And, and I think probably you encounter people um, that you've heard, don't be afraid to ask them. Ask them, say, will you show me what you know? Because... That's the only way we're going to come into an alignment is when we allow people to help us. So this morning as we close out, I would just ask this. How, how are you positioned? Have you positioned yourself in a lifestyle of ministry to the Lord? Not just doing things. This isn't about doing. This is actually about being. But have you positioned yourself in a lifestyle of ministry where you recognize that your doing is about being unto the Lord. How have you postured yourself? Have you postured yourself to practice the presence of the Lord? Is that how you're living your life? Do you have a support system? Do you have a trellis that will help you? 
And here's what I was, I, I said this in the first service and I'll say it this service as well. If you don't, if, if you feel like, I don't know how to develop that support system of spiritual disciplines. I'm, I'm, I'm short on that. Please contact me. I will spend time with you one-on-one. Uh, lady, contact my wife. There, there, are, there are people all throughout this room and I look out and I know they know how to do it. And, and they can mentor you. They can teach you. If we need to, we'll teach a class on it. Whatever it takes so that you can have a support system so that you can come into alignment with the voice of God and then, as you're making decisions, you can make wise, God-honoring decisions. Would you stand as I pray for you this morning? Father, thank you for your spirit in this place. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, thank you for the prophet Samuel and thank you for what we learned from that. Father God, I ask that you would help us to be a people who um, have such desire that we would rightly position ourselves in a lifestyle of ministry to you. We would recognize that it's not about our doing, but it's about our being. Um, I ask that you would help us to be a people who are rightly postured as people who practice the presence of the Lord and that we could build that support system by the help of your spirit so that we could grow up in our relationship to you. And Father God, I pray that we never give up, but that you help us to remain persistent in all that we do, that we continue and we remain deep in our desire to hear your voice. And I pray that as a result that we continually come in alignment, that our spirit comes into alignment with your spirit so that we can hear from you and then we can make wise, God-honoring decisions. Father God, we give you ourselves today and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.